Well, hello, everyone. It's time for announcements here at Keys Vineyard Church. We're so glad you're here uh, joining us. You know, find a seat, get comfortable, because these announcements are super important, okay? Uh, coming up this Wednesday, it'll be September 6th at 6.30 p.m. One More Youth is starting back up for this uh, school season. Uh, that's going to be at 6.30 p.m. One More Youth is for our middle schoolers and high schoolers. That's 6th through 12th grades are welcome. Uh, we play some fun games. We, we play some worship music. We have a message. And we always order pizza. So I probably had you at pizza if you're that age, because who doesn't like pizza? So, yeah, One More Youth this Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. Uh, bring your kids. If you are that age, come join us. Lots of fun. Also coming up September 13th, that'll be that following Wednesday, is our next night watch. Uh, that's a night of ministry and prayer. Uh, we have very light worship. It's a really nice, sweet time in the presence of the Lord. I encourage you to join us. That's going to be September 13th, 6.30 p.m. here at the church in the auditorium. That's a live event only. Can't watch that on the stream. So uh, join us for that. Also, uh, we announced it last week. Uh, we have now found the service that allows us to translate uh, some of our sermons uh, into 30 different languages. That's available through Wordly. Uh, there's a QR code here. Uh, you'll see a QR code during the sermon that'll uh, take you to a link where you can also access it as well. But if you would need translation, it transcribes it for you. If you have a you know pair of headphones, way to listen. I might have some available, uh, but bring your own and you can listen along uh, in 30 different languages. Really cool uh, service we found. So yeah, if you could use it, definitely use it. Great thing. That's only available during the 9.30 and 11 o'clock services, though. If you're watching online, uh, you can also use the translation as well. It goes all throughout the Internet. Really cool thing to have. Uh, always encourage you to keep downloading our church app. Great place for uh, all the info about our church. Keep checking out my dad's postscript app as well. Cool thing there. You'll find info for those uh, on our app and website. Yeah, those those are the announcements that I have. They're really important. I just knocked a guitar over. Oof, that had a pick in it. Didn't sound good. But anyway, I promise I'll play better than that. Let's get ready for church. Woo! Good morning, everybody online. Uh, so glad to have you with us. We're getting ready to hop back into worship together, and we had a great morning so far, so that's going to be fun. Uh, then we're continuing on in our series, Sword Sharpening. This is part 15, going in a little different direction, how his story fits into history. So get ready for that. Get a coffee, get comfy, get your Bibles, because here we go. Woo! Good morning, family. It is great to see all your faces and hear your voices. We are looking forward to spending time with you all in worship and in the word. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do in case you don't know the flow. We're going to start things off with communion. Pastor Fran is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We will dismiss them off to their myriad classrooms. And then we'll have our time in the word with Pastor Steve. We're in sword sharpening part 15, and we have begun our pivot and uh, if you were here last week, you know there's a really cool flow chart that we're expecting today. It was really interesting. You guys are going to, like, it's really cool to see everything we've been talking about the whole series. Like, like oh, it's right there. Okay, anyways, um, let's, let's pray before we get into any of that. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come 
Papa, we thank you for the privilege of gathering together with brothers and sisters to celebrate and worship you. We thank you that you promised that we invite you when we ask, you show up. Papa, this morning, as we're gathered, would you help us to leave all our baggage and our distractions and the stuff weighing us down, help us leave it at the door so that we can settle into your throne room with our heads unbowed, with our minds undistracted. Papa, this morning, would you help us to see you more clearly? to love you more dearly. And to be shaped after your own heart. Papa, we are in awe of your kindness to us. Help us to draw closer to you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Merciful God, by whose grace alone your faithful people offer you true and worthy service. Grant that we may follow and serve you faithfully in this life so that we do not fail to obtain your heavenly promises in the life to come. Through the blessings of Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Pastor Fran. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body given for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. St. Mary took the cup. It's the last night of the Passover celebration. Cups of place and sanctification and poured and celebrated. Jesus took the third culture cup of redemption. He said, This is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. There were those friends that night. Jesus gave us a lasting ordinance, remembrance that we call communion of the Lord's Supper. He said, From now on, when you get together and partake in this meal, I want you to remember me. So as friends gather this morning, we too can partake in this meal, the bread and the cup, the body of the Lord. We remember, give thanks. Remember all Jesus has said and done and promised to do. Remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. I remember how he died and rose again. I want to remember with all in Thanksgiving that he's coming back soon. So on this table, the elements of communion, the bread and the cup, the body of the Lord. The table's open this morning to all who believe. So as we worship and you feel led by the Spirit, go eat, drink, remember, and give thanks. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Pastor Fran. We're going to start our time of worship now, and I always try to encourage us all to sing out and to lift our voices and to participate. He is worthy of our praise today. We are here to worship him, so sing along. We're going to see the words pop up on the screen so you can sing along with those. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able, and let's make way for the King of Heaven.
Wait! 
surrender all to Him. I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily.
the name of Jesus. Over every heart and every Within your presence, I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus. You make a way where there's no way. Oh, I speak Jesus. Come on. time of worship in your presence you're good to us father and we love you and lord as we're here in your presence i'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word lord god would you anoint the words that are spoken to us that are taught to us use those words god to stir up our hearts towards you and holy spirit i'd ask that you'd be with those who are working with our children god anoint them give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them oh god you are so good lord we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, boys and girls. So excited for today's story. But I have a question for you. Raise your hand if you have ever been to a parade. Great. I know they're so fun, right? Well, today's true story that can be found in the four Gospels, that's the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? They tell about people who are so excited to go to the parade for Jesus. Are you ready to listen? Okay, cool. So Jesus and his disciples, they were making their way into Jerusalem. And Jesus sent two of them ahead to the village. And he told them, go to the village, and there you're going to find a donkey and a colt. And they're going to be tied up. Untie them and bring them to me. He told them, if anyone says anything to you, you should say that 
The Lord needs it, right? And then the disciples went and did everything that Jesus told them. And they took their robes off and they put it on the donkey and on the colt. And Jesus wrote them, wrote it, right? And as he got closer to Jerusalem, there were all sorts of people there. People were walking in front of him and behind him. And they were putting the ropes down on the road. And they were putting palm branches on the road too. And they were saying what Mark chapter 11 verse 19 tells us. Those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were shouting, oh, they're so excited. Guess what? Who wasn't excited? The religious leaders did not like this at all. They actually told Jesus, tell your disciples to be quiet. And Jesus said, if I tell them to be silent, the rocks will cry out with praise. Isn't that amazing? And then Jesus went into the temple and people brought him the, the sick and the blind and the people who couldn't walk and he healed them. And then the religious leaders who were in the temple, they heard the children shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, right? And they asked Jesus, do you hear what the children are saying? And Jesus said, yes, even the children will praise me. Isn't that exciting? I know. Guess what, guys? Yes, it was written, right? It was prophesied by the prophet Zechariah that Jesus would come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And did it happen, boys and girls? Yes. Right? It did happen, right? Guess what, guys? It is written, right, that Jesus is coming back. And this time, he's going to be riding a white horse, and he's going to be king over everything. Isn't that exciting? So good, right? Good news. Awesome. All right, are you guys ready to tell everyone the Bible verse? All right, repeat after me. Mark eleven nineteen. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So cool, guys. Good job. Good job. We could do the musical version. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I don't even remember that one. Hey, there's a birthday. Can you guys help me sing happy birthday? It's Wesley's birthday. Yay, he's over here. So let's sing happy birthday to Wesley. Ready? Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Pastor Georgina is going to pray for the children and then we'll send them off to Children's Church. Very good, boys and girls. Are you ready? Let's talk to the Lord, okay? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. 
Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus, Lord God. Thank you for saving us from death and from sin, Lord God. And thank you for preparing a way, a place for us to go, Lord God. We can't wait for you to come back. In Jesus' name, what do we say, boys and girls? Thank you, Pastor Georgina. Had quite a crew down there today. Have fun. So cute. Welcome to the vineyard. So glad to have you with us. Welcome to those of you joining with us online. Happy to be there. Whatever. Happy to be there? Well, because we're there. We're not, they're not really here, right? We're, we're there. It's I'm trying to figure out dynamic. the logistics. Yes, yeah. it's digitally here. Uh, I don't know. So for a long time, when we popped this code up, it was to a Connect card. We've made a, an adjustment. That QR code will now take you to a web page that has about a half a dozen different very helpful links on there. One is a Connect card, which would be great if you never fill one out to fill out. Um, also, our listening assistance device, if you need a little help hearing, uh, all that is, you know, you use your phones to do that with an app. We've had that for a long time. It works very well. We also now have a uh, translating service, and uh, so as we, it engages right around now, um, and if you, there's a link for that. It translates into about 30 different languages. So, uh, fascinating stuff. So, if you are more comfortable in other languages, we have people listening to it in Spanish and in Chinese, and it does another, uh, it, like, there's 30 languages. So, it will show up on your uh, device in words, and if you have headphones, you can plug it in, it will speak to you. Fascinating. Very much real time. So, we're very excited about that. That would be uh, on that page, and some other cool things as well. So, uh, lots of neat stuff happening here. We're happy about that. We're going to pray for our neighbors in just a moment. Before we do, uh, quickly, I want to mention um, Idalia and the aftermath of Idalia and how we respond, just so you know. So we partner with Convoy of Hope. Um, we have for years, uh, the, the vineyard, bigger vineyard movement used to have our own disaster response stuff, and we realized that we, we need to stick to churching and let people that are better set up to do that. So we uh, hunted and searched as a group, and we found Convoy of Hope. Um, great organization, really well together. We've met the board and stuff personally as, you know. And so we partner with them on a weekly basis, not only to feel, feed children around the world, which they do, but, uh, to be ready for disasters that come up and they respond all over. Then often as we pray, we corporately respond to, you know, as a church, our church, we will send money to help. And so we have done that already this week. We have sent the first offering up to them to help. They were on their way there before the storm ever got there. They're positioned and trailers are going and they'll, I like them because they work with churches in the area to disperse everything, which is really good. So, um, we have done that. Also, Sirban's over there. Uh, Sirban has been with us for a long time. He partners with Samaritan's Purse and has uh, is part of their tree cutting team ever since Irma. He's heading out right after church today. We are also helping him, but if you would like to help him further, you certainly can. Also, with the bigger response, if you want us to, if you want to give something for us to send, just let me know. Put in a memo line or something. Convoy of Hope. We'll make sure it gets there. Or you can, if you want, donate directly to Convoy of Hope. That's totally fine. Convoyofhope.org. And just search Convoy of Hope and it will show up. Uh, 
they have videos of stuff that they're doing on the ground. Very good to respond. You know, I'm, I'm amazed it's been six years since Irma. Because it seems like six months and it seems like 20 years. So it's very weird how that happens. Um, but for those of you that have been through a major storm like that, you know what people are experiencing. And so please pray for them. And we will remember them as we pray for our neighbors, Amen. which is what we're going to do now. Think about a couple of your neighbors and let's go to the Lord. Papa, we lift up our neighbors to you. We ask God that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways. Draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us, God, to be good neighbors and to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. And please, God, be with all those uh, dealing with the fallout and the aftermath of this uh, storm, Adalia. Um, let your presence be very real to the people there. Give them strength. Watch over and protect them. Um, provide for them in ways that they, they can't even imagine. And we lift all of that up to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. So we're in a series called Sword Sharpening. Uh, I do long series. It's just the way we work. This series is all about making the most out of your time with the Bible. And so we're, we're going to take a little pivot now and deal with some fascinating things. But we'll, uh, we're going to call this one How His Story, which is what we just spent the last nine weeks doing, fits into history. And it will allow us to do some other cool things as we read the Bible together. So I think it's really important uh, and uh, important. And so let's look uh, at the bad jokes. Yay. And then you can... You can read us, read for us and pray for us. That'll be good. What did the baker say when she won an award? As a piece of cake. Yes, see, that hasn't made it at any service. No, but I I got it. I'm committed to it. Yeah, I know you're committed to it. It's probably the way it's being delivered. No, it's just bad. Listen, it's a math little joke. I can tolerate algebra, maybe even a little calculus, but geometry, that's where I draw the line. Ha, 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 ha. Okay. Good job. The last one. This actually wasn't in the list. This oh. was a late entry from uh, my good friend, Pastor Barry Travis. Most of you know Barry. Yes. And, uh, uh, and this is a... Barry being hair challenged can send me this joke. <laughs> and uh, this is... It said, you know, uh, he said, Pastor Steve, do you know that most bald people have a comb? He said they just can't part with it. There you go. <laughs> See, that was the best one. Robert can identify. Please read and pray for us. I will do that. Let's go to Papa, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our life. Papa, I pray today that as we dive into your word, you would give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. Light our path today in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the Gospel of John, chapter 10, beginning at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Y'all can sit.
Okay. So, I want to pivot in this um, message a little bit. Uh, we just finished a big review of how the storyline works. And we've talked about a lot of things, and I'm, I don't want to review again. Uh, I, I want to take that now and build on it. And in, in this way, um, I've encouraged you and am encouraging you to read the Bible. And as you read the Bible, you will encounter difficult verses and passages when you read it. Some you just won't understand for lots of different reasons. Some you may not agree with. Some fly in the face of culture, other things. And, and how do you deal with those verses is what we're going to talk about here over the next few weeks. What do we do with difficult verses when we read them? Because if you're reading the Bible, you will encounter them. And people will challenge you with them. And there's lots of things that happen when uh, people read the Bible. I've, for years, people have said, well, they start to read it. Well, I can't read it because I didn't know this was in there. I didn't know that was in there. And that's part of the deal. The enemy has been pretty crafty in keeping believers from actually reading the Bible. And so there's... Because people haven't read it, there's stuff in there they've never heard about or talked about or seen. And they don't even... They doubt that it's in there. Which is why you have to read the Bible for yourself. Because we will just not gather enough as a church, no matter how many times we meet, to talk about everything that's in here. It just won't. Stuff won't come up. So how do we deal with it? Well, let's set a foundation uh, to work with this next phase, that this has to be done in love. Everything that, that we're going to talk about, ha- love has to be at the heart of it. And we talked about this a few weeks ago uh, in a, something that Jesus said, and I spent some time to look at it with you. Uh, he was asked, what's the most important thing, what's the greatest thing in the law? greatest commandment in the law. And he answered this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, right up there with it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what Jesus is saying when he says law and prophets, he's saying everything. That's their Bible at the time, the Old Testament. Everything in there hangs on these two commandments. Love God all in. Love your neighbor as yourself. And and as you read the Bible, that's what should be increasing in you. Your love for God should increase and your love for others should increase. And your love for God should increase because as you read the Bible, you, you will be in awe at how much he actually loves you. And that will begin to change you and then help you love others. If you're reading the Bible and you're not loving others and loving God more, something's not right. And, and so we need to look at what's going on as we read the scripture. So Jesus said that this is kind of like the primary response. Things should be happening as you read the Bible. You should be more loving. The question that we sort of have to ponder together uh, over the next little season is, is what does that mean exactly? What does it mean to love well? And I, I'm just going to toss that out there and I think my hope is that we all think about that. And particularly, what does it mean to love well in light of things um, that the Bible says? Because I've also said to you from the beginning of this series and for as far as I can remember that this, this is the Word of God, God's Word. I, I believe that. I've also told you that it's completely trustworthy. It's trustworthy. God gave us his word, and you can trust his word. Okay. So I think we hear that, but how do we make that practical in 
the culture and in the time period and in the life that we have at the moment. And what do you do when you read a verse or passage that's difficult, that doesn't fit, that maybe you don't agree with? Do you just ignore it and go, well, that couldn't be what it means or whatever? uh, How do you deal with difficult verses? And so I want to spend a few... Obviously, we don't have time to deal with every difficult verse in the Bible. Uh, But I'm hoping that we can work through some of them together, and then you'll have sort of the tools to work through them on yourself. So let's, let's talk about a verse. And you may not think this is particularly difficult until you kind of ponder the depth of it. But here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's a verse. John 14, 6. Most of you know this. John, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, that's, that's a pretty intense verse. But Jesus is saying, it looks like what Jesus is saying is, I'm it. I'm the way to the Father. No, no one else. Uh, and is he saying that? And, and how do you think about Jesus saying that? And do you, well, he didn't mean that, or is it, uh, we have to look at why. But let's just sort of back that up immediately with what are the other important New Testament folks say. And what does Paul say? Paul says something similar. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Huh. Well, how about Peter, the Apostle Peter? He says in Acts 4.11, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Hmm. How about John. John's a love guy. So this ought to, this well. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So these are pretty intense verses um, that, that we're reading right now. And let me, I want to say this too. Uh, so I am just taking passages at the moment, which I've said, that should send off a warning sign. Context, context, context. Next week, I promise, we'll come and give all these verses context. Okay, because you need context. Because is it we got? Is that what's really going on? Well, that's maybe that's not what. But maybe Jesus. Jesus has more to say. And here he says, Matthew seven thirteen, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Hmm. How about this, John ten? Seven, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The, the thief is, in effect, the enemy coming and telling people there's lots of gates. That's the story. Oh, no, there's plenty of gates. You can, there's lots of ways in, whatever. Now, here's the deal. For, for a believer, th- those may not be all that difficult. But what about for people that aren't believers? But what about... And what does that mean? That John 14, 6 verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. Most, most Christians know that. And unfortunately, uh, that's the one that a lot of people that don't believe will go after and call us arrogant over. 
Well, that's just arrogant. And that's sort of the way that they view us. And one of the things I'm fascinated by, and, and why I think love is so important, and I was, we'll, we'll talk about some of the other world religions here over time uh, in the next little season in looking at them. By and large, most of the world religions have a pretty good viewpoint of who Jesus is. They're like, Jesus was good. You know, who they don't like is the church and Christians. And it fascinates me because we're, these are the things, Jesus said these things. We, I didn't make them up. These are like coming right from the mouth of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. He's saying some pretty intense things. And in a culture that we live in today, where it's sort of like, well, you, there's lots of different things. How, what do we, what does loving well look like? This is the big question. This is what we have to think about. What does it look like? What does it mean? What do, what do we say? Is it, is it okay? Can, can we just sort of go, well, you can, you can believe whatever you want. That's what the world sort of says, and it's okay. But if the Bible is God's word, which I believe it is, and if it's trustworthy, then we have to deal with the things that it says, even if they sort of run against culture a little bit. We have to at least think them through. And too often, I think we just come to a place that, that because it's so overwhelming, just go, okay, whatever. Well, I, so all of this is, is oh, I just let's just think together about what it means to love well. And it's what we're going to do is, because I don't, I'm just not going to toss all that. I don't have all the answers. I'm constantly trying to figure out what loving well and kindness looks like. But let's put it in the foundation of history. Let's get his story into history. Because we have this great story we spent a lot of time working on. And I made this great flowchart. Ta-da. And obviously it speaks for itself. I don't need to discuss this. Let me, let me break it down. I, and this, I think, will be helpful. Okay. So what's there right now, if you, if you can see that, and you, if you've been coming, you'll know that's the eight sections of the story that I gave you over the last nine weeks. And we took time looking at each one of them. As much as I want to, I am not going to review that again. If you need a review of that, last week, the entire thing, spoken very fast, <laughs> was that storyline of the Bible. Okay. What I do want to start to introduce into history now is, is some of the little points that I gave you to remember those sections. All right? And so, if you remember, we started out the creation. I said those first two chapters of Genesis. It's all about a cosmic temple, a heaven and earth connection. God wants to be there. Human family, us, and His uh, divine family, the little e Elohim. I introduced all of them to you. That's at the beginning and what we have is we have in creation there, and it's the worship of one God. That's what's going on. That's how the story begins. And then we have these rebellion points. Again, if you want to know more about the story, go, go back, please. But the fall happens. I do want to say this about the fall. We have no way of knowing how long it was from the creation story until the fall happens. And the way that most of us read it is creation Boom, next day the fall happens. Like, wow, that was quick. No idea. Don't read it like that. The Bible is not a textbook. It's not a, it's, it's not a science book. It's the, uh, you know, the, the inspired word of God telling us his story ultimately of how much he loves us and how he wants to be with us, how we went our own way and how he's going to fix it and rescue us. That's what, the, that's what the story is. So hang on to that. And we have these rebellions that I... We have the fall. 
out, out of the fall in Genesis 3.15 comes this first prophetic reference to Jesus who's going to come and fix the mess. Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That's where that's the, that we can trace everything in Jesus back to that point in time. You can go further back than that too, but we have that. It's, it's just, so before we can even begin to date history, we've got this promise of Jesus coming. Then the flood happens. You remember the flood. We talked about it. The little E Elohim caused disaster. There's a cosmic reset in the flood. We can't really date the flood. Tower of Babel is the third one. That's the first one that I will sort of try and hazard a date to because we start getting some archaeology around there. I said 3000 BC. I could be off a thousand years. It could be 4000 BC. It's in there somewhere. But I think all in all, so don't all Steve said 3000 BC exactly. No, somewhere in there. We have the Tower of Babel. Remember what happens as a, as a result of the Tower of Babel is that God disperses the nations, the 70 nations, the Gentiles, he, he, cause they don't, they keep saying they don't want him. He says, okay. And he puts them under the authority of the Elohim, the little G gods, who over time all become corrupt. And they're still behind all of the mess on the planet. They're the big players in the story of evil. And they pop up around this period in time. That's what happens. And so you have the, the disbursement of the Gentiles. You have the Elohim running things. And it's all these little G-gods that want and demand worship. And, and religions begin to pop up on the planet. Okay? Back to our side of the story that you know. Uh, and yet we have God who said, even though he dispersed the seven, he doesn't, he loves them. He, he makes a way back through one nation. They, they gotta go. But he never gives up on them. There's a way back. Remember this part of the story? And the way back is the one nation that he keeps for himself. And we, we said that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. That's how you begin to remember that. And the promises he makes. And there's some dates there. And, and, um, those are pretty good dates. And then that moves into the Exodus. Ten plagues, ten words. Tabernacle being built. New connection. Very cool. Temple. We've got the kings move into the story and they build a temple. Solomon does. And the presence of God moves into the temple. That is like the best date on the chart. 966 BC. That's one if you've ever studied the Bible or anything. You, you have at some point probably heard that date. We can, we have an, we have archaeological evidence that supports that as the, the time that Solomon dedicates the temple. From there, you can go back some and get some of those other dates if you're interested. Some people want to take that farther than I think they should, and they try and chase the genealogy back to like Adam and get a date on all those things. And the problem is um, that in the way that the story is given to us, we don't get all the generations. We get the ones that matter, that are need to be there for the timeline. So you can't do that year by year. But 966 BC, pretty good date. And this is the for the temple being filled. And this is, again, God keeping one nation for himself through which everyone can be reconciled back to him because that's his heart. That's what's going on there. And we have this promise in Genesis 12, 2 and 3. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
This is the way back, Israel, and then, you know, Israel is, is demonstrated to us in Jesus, right? Because Israel's a mess, just like all of us. But Jesus comes as perfect Israel, and he's part of this process. But there you've got all of those things happening in the introduction of Judaism right around 1800 BC. In the world, uh, around the same time, you have Hinduism sort of arrive on the scene as a major world religion back then. On our side of the story, we've got the, the presence of God leaves the temple, and uh, uh, we're not exactly sure on that, but it was sometime between the temple being filled in 966 and the first exile, which is 722 BC. And the northern tribes are taken off into Assyria. In the world, you've got more world religions on the, popping up on the scene, Shinto and Taoism. Uh, we have another exile that happens with the southern kingdom. They're taken out. We looked at that. That's 586 BC, just to give you some dates. They go to Babylon. Uh, they're in Babylon 70 years. You remember that part of the story. Uh, and then, uh, uh-oh. There we go. On the world scene, another religion, Buddhism pops up. Uh, and we have, oh, that's frustrating. We have the prophet saying, hey, we're going to go back. We're going to rebuild the temple. And sure enough, they go back after 70 years, they rebuild the temple, but what happens? The presence of God doesn't show up, and they know it. The last of the prophets at 400 BC, Malachi, he says, presence is coming back, just going to be different than you think. And so that points us at, he points us at John the Baptist as the messenger, and then Jesus arriving on the scene. Jesus arrives, uh, and date-wise, sometime between 4 BC and 0. 0 is a funny date, Right? Zero's a funny for a lot of things. I teased the last service. Alice and I were in Chicago one time years ago, and it was the premiere of The Passion, and we got invited to Willow Creek to go, and Mel Gibson was there live, and we got to ask a very cool time. It was so cold. You know what the temperature was? Zero. And I said, zero, it's not a temperature. It's th- anyway, zero, it's how we date everything, to... The crucifixion and resurrection, which is a big part of the story. And so there you have Jesus and you have Christianity kicking off at about uh, 30 AD. Well, then we have the season that we're in now, the tension. You guys know this, the now and the not yet. Holy Spirit has come. We're the temple. Um, we're, we have a vocation once again. We're partnering with God to make a difference on the planet. We have mission and we're to tell the people on the planet that there is a way to be reconciled. In the world scene... 610 A.D., so 600 years or so after the beginning of the church, Islam arrives on the scene. Now, I had to, they, they popped off the chart a little different because the other world religions up till then have a, this in common is that they believe in multiple gods, thousands of gods, which would make sense when you get their origin. So they believe in lots and lots of gods. That, that's a sort of standard. Islam is different in that, um, Islam, Muhammad said that he was the last of the great prophets, uh, the greatest and last of the prophets, uh, in the same line as uh, uh, Moses and uh, Abraham, Moses, and um, Jesus. That he was one of those prophets, and that God came to him and, and said, you need to worship me, and I'm Allah. Now, Allah is not the same God that we worship. It is a one-God type of worship, but it's different than ours. I promise you, you can go look and find out that they're not the same. It pops out of this other group. And what happens? But it's there, and it's impacted the world, because 25% of the world's population now believes in Islam. And to get the, the rest of the people on the, on the flow chart so we can deal with it, you have other religions that aren't, didn't make the list because of the percentages were small. Not that they don't 
make a difference. And then you have irreligious is what I call them. They could be non-religious. They're known really now as the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And that's the like one of the fastest growing groups is that people are saying there is no God, um, which is the same thing that all those deceptions happen. But but see, this is a this is a big deal because this is um, that would represent the Gentiles, nations, that whole group, uh, and um, that's kind of why they're off over there, and that's about seventy percent of the world's population. Christianity claims to have 30% of the world's population. You can take that number for what it is. You know, there's people that say one thing. And, anyway, but here's, here's where we're heading in our story. Uh, we are heading for a heaven and new creation experience. All things new, life after life after death. We've talked about that. And that's where our story goes. Now, uh, that's not everybody's story. And so here's, here's the kind of things that you have to look at in a, in a culture like ours, because our culture wants to say everybody's okay. Culturally, that's what, it doesn't matter. Everything's okay. All religions are the same. This is a common thing. And I want to tell you that that's not really true. Um, there are some things in common with all religions. You could say that. Like, almost all of them have some form of the golden rule. I, yes, because that's, golden rule's a good rule. And that runs through there. But, but they, they don't believe the same things you believe. For instance, say Hinduism, and the, without making it, I, there's a lot to this, okay? But they believe in multiple gods, thousands of gods. Um, they, they, uh, they have a pretty high opinion of Jesus for the most part, but he's nothing special. Maybe he's one of the little gods, maybe he's not. And what you do is, throughout the course of your life, if that's the way that you go, is that you keep being reincarnated until you get it right over and over and over again. And then when you get it right, you just kind of vaporize into the bigger force of things. That's most of the Eastern religion. I, I know that's a brief summary and maybe it's not completely fair, but that's the idea behind it all. That is not what we believe. We don't believe in worshiping thousands of gods and we don't believe that's the end point for us. So we have a difference. Islam. Islam um, believes in sort of a, a, a some kind of a heaven thing, if you would, but it's all based on works and performance, every bit of it. The only way in is if you do and, and do it right all the time and you get all these things right and there's a lot of requirements to make that happen. See, Christianity isn't like that. Um, in fact, it's the opposite of that. You cannot earn the, the gift that we have. You can't work for it. You'll never be good enough. Uh, no matter how try, uh, how much of a good person you are, it's not what qualifies you. It's what Jesus did and you accepting what Jesus did for you on your way in. That's what we believe. That's what the Bible says. That's where we're at. And, and those things don't reconcile with one another. So it, we can't just kind of kick back. It's easier to kick back and say, okay, whatever. But is it loving? So that's my whole thing. What does it look like to love well? Is it loving to just go, whatever, believe whatever you want? Or is it a problem if 70% of the world's population is not believing the right thing? Because, so you have a, you, you, there's, a, there's how it's laid out and how it happened. This is how we got here. This is what it looks like. And, and so you know that part of the story. How, what do you do with that now? And, and so what am I saying? Well, I, does this mean we need to go and be militant? Or do we, do we not care about any of those people? Do we not like them? Do we be mean to them? Absolutely not. We, this is where we're called now by Holy Spirit, empowering us to be salt and light onto the whole world. And we have to figure out what does it look like to love them well? 
And as I said, they, they usually have a pretty high regard of Jesus. Jesus was able to love them well and say hard things. And I don't think the church has been very good at that. Because they just feel judged and criticized. How do we love them well? Here's, here's where I'm at at the moment. All I can think of is that what we have to do is we have to live in such a way that we're so salty and lighty in the world and people feel loved around us that they ask us why. And when they ask us why, you've got this really good story that you can share with them now. That you can put things into a spot. You can say, well, this is, this is what we believe. This is how this works. This is why these things going on. And if they challenge you with a verse or something, you've read the Bible and you'll be okay with that. And you can just take it in and you don't, and, and see, that's why that is so important. See, because that verse that just popped in there, but you can't read that because I can't read it from there either. That's this verse that I put in there. It's, it's this. Please God our Savior, who wants all people. This is First Timothy chapter two. Who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Everybody on the chart. Not just our side of the story, everybody. See, the way in has always been that way. Back into, you come in through Jesus. To be reconciled, you come in through the way that he set it up. And everybody's invited. Everybody is invited, but they have to come in. And how will they, how will they come if they don't know? How, how, see, this is the thing, right? This is why it's, this is a thinking thing. Because I don't know that there's like one answer. It's, it's, we gotta love people so well that they ask those questions and we have to be ready to respond in love. Well, this is how this works. Because that's the way back. Anyway, I've got more to say about this, but uh, not now. Next week. So uh, memorize that chart in your brain. No. <laughs> well, you'll see the chart some more. We'll put it up. I haven't done it yet, but it'll, we'll put it up on the app so you can see it. But stuff to think about. And listen, hear me say. So I, I want to say this too. If you if you disagree with me, that's okay. But just kind of think through the scripture. And that's all I'm asking you to read the Bible. If, I just said things that Jesus said in, in the way that I understand them. Do that and, and we'll sort of process it through there, right? I just, because I, 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 in a sermon not that long ago, I, I told everybody angels don't have wings. People were mad at me for weeks. <laughs> I just said, well, go read the Bible. Look, it's, I'm not making that up. Seraphim and cherubim, they got some wings, but they're around the throne. None of the rest of them. But that's okay. Let's not let that make us not okay. Think, pray, read. That's all I ask. That's what we're supposed to do, right? Okay, good. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over the wall? People on the way, they're here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. Let me say this again. He's our way in. That's what he said over and over and over again. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? That's our way into his story. If you've never done that, please do it today. Best decision you'll ever make in your life. Jesus, will you be my Lord and Savior? And, and then he takes it from there. And it, it makes a huge difference in your life and in, in the world. Amen. So next week we get more context, context, context. Conte- I will go context all those verses next week. Because if I don't, then you shouldn't listen to <laughs> yes, me. Yes, right. That's right. And I like that you said think, think, think. Please. All good stuff. 
Ministry teams at the wall, if you have needs for anything, get prayer, physical, financial, emotional. We're here to pray for you. And if that's something that you would like, we'll be over there in just a second. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, church, for being generous. We love partnering with you. And uh, thank you for faithfully giving and tithing and offering all those cool things you do. Let's sing doxology and we will dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Ministry team will be over there. These doors will be open for you. Uh, Head on out. Have a great day. Be kind in the parking lot. Love one another. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching online and uh, had fun with the flow chart. we'll, We'll see it more. All right. In the meantime, cool stuff to think about. What does it look like to love well? It's a great question, isn't it? Bye.